Welcome everybody. It's great to be back here. It's great to be back here in the, in the host seat, I suppose. How are you both? Very well, good. Well, so, well. for those of you that are watching maybe for the first time, this is Sharon. And then we've got a special guest today, which is Matt Peart. So, a round of applause for Matt. Woo! Thank you. It's good to see you both. What's good news? Good to see you out of isolation. It's good to be out for a little bit. <laughs> Tell you what, it is so good being out of isolation. It is so good. I, I escaped, so. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, you're in lockdown, weren't you? I was Johnny? in lockdown, so but I'm but I'm here now, so that's mm, good. That's Actually, so good. Uh, Matt, being a basketball fan, I'm going <clears> to <throat> take us off on a tangent already. Uh, have you been watching The Last Dance? I have been. Oh. Certainly been very enjoyable, and I can't wait to watch the next episode tonight. I can't wait to watch it. I cannot wait you to watch it. it. I assume you've got no idea what we're talking about, though, Shaz, do you? Yeah, no, because we've been watching the Peaky Blinders. <laughs> <laughs> you've what? You've been watching Peaky Blinders? <laughs> my future son-in-law put me on to them. <laughs> I can't believe that. Mm. Can you give us your best Peaky Blinders impersonation? No, because I'm going to laugh too much. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. speaking of great segues, we're going to go from that into our conversation we're talking about for today, So, just because we're the segue kings. Um, <laughs> so the conversation that we wanted to talk about today was one about worth, because mm -hmm. I do think the world's talking a lot about self-worth mm. at the moment. And like, the way that I've been hearing this conversation has been around people have lost their jobs and so they're no longer doing what they normally do, and, so they're, and they're kind of at home, they're irritable, they're frustrated, they're grumpy, because they don't know what's got, like who they are anymore they, they, they they a lot of people haven't expressed that directly but I, I think that's what's going on what, what do you think Shaz? oh i i well i think there's a lot of things going on as to why they're irritable i mean you know who you are but you were just irritable last week um but um yeah i think that there's always this question going on who am i what am i worth and i suppose for um, us here at Taurus, those that lost their job or who were stood down because of the coronavirus, you would have to ask, what is my worth? You yeah. know, who am I? Am I a value? How can I be discarded just like that? Um, yeah. yeah. It's really, really hard. People yeah. asking that all the time. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, you start to, like, there's only so long you can spend in one box before you start questioning everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> if you've got the same four walls up the whole time, you're going to be driven to insanity. Yeah, especially if you're in a bright orange one like Lockie had the room I painted in. <laughs> I could imagine. Uh, I think people are also sort of talking about this a lot at the moment because there's this whole thing about Centrelink as well. And so, uh, like, I know comments often made in a derogatory term towards the people that go on to Centrelink. Mm. Uh, it's almost been this pride thing of not having to be on it. But now all of a sudden, some of those same people that used to say, oh, if you get what you deserve, if you go on a Centrelink, you should be given, uh, it should be meal tickets and receipts so that mm. the world knows what you're spending it on because you don't deserve to spend it how you think you should do. I think that some of those same people who are now on Centrelink are finding that really troublesome to, to oh, reconcile. Oh, for some people, it's the first time they've ever been on Centrelink. So can you imagine lining up to get a Centrelink payment and you've never done it mm. before? Yeah. Um, that it would be quite difficult. Yeah. I know that um, I had um, one staff member who had been on um, Centrelink and then had been working here, had worked so hard and was really, really proud of their hours and the fact that they had a paycheck and mm -hmm. that they were able to do their own budget and organise their own life and then we had to stand them down and for them it was a big issue because all of a sudden they felt like they were back on the dole <laughs> yeah. and that was a huge, I'm just a dole worker now kind of thing and, and it was a huge identity thing. Um, but that's not who they were. Yeah. yeah. So from this, I'm hearing that um, a lot of people get their sense of being from what they do 
as opposed yeah. to rather coming from a place of security in who they are. Mm. And so, Matt, we've invited you um, today to share a little bit of your story because I know that you've got uh, there are parts of your story which um, brings you especially true to that message. Do you want to start to unpack a little bit yeah, about so how this feels for you? Yeah, definitely. It's sort of like society often tells us, you know, to be successful, you get good grades in school, you go to uni, you get a job, you get married, you buy a house, so on and so forth. Yep. And you've done your, it all. That's your life story. That's your biography. You know, <laughs> I sort of fit that mould. <laughs> especially the good grades bit. No, um, I reckon especially the good wife oh, bit. Yeah, I mean, look, apologies. how pretty is she? She's amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so, you know, I went through that and I went through uni and I achieved good grades in uni and then I went on to a career, started a career, um, you know, went to the next phase trying to find, you know, the relationship, which, you know, it ended up not working out all that well mm-hmm. and that led to me going into a spiral of depression for a few years. Wow. And the, the thing that I think was the reason was because I'd put my identity in my career and in that relationship so when that relationship disappeared, mm-hmm. my identity of who I was in the career was not enough to sustain the, you know, and ward off the questions of, you know, what's it all really about? Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and coming out of that, I sort of, you know, spent more time reading the Bible and, and actually learning about what God says you are. And, you know, in Psalms, he says that, you created the innermost being, knitted you together in your mother's womb. So he's known you from the very, very start. Mm, and it's great. In Matthew, he says he knows the number of hairs on your head. Yeah. So he knows more about Absolutely. us than, <laughs> than anyone else. Yeah. So was it scary um, going on that journey? Like, was it sort of scary kind of having, I suppose, your world fall apart? You grow up thinking that this is the... The road to success, the road to identity, you've just got to tick the boxes. The road to worth. And, you know, you were doing that quite yeah. successfully. Was it scary when it all fell apart? It was. It was, it was really quite scary. It was a, a moment of not, like, it was a moment of being plunged into total unknown. Wow. Yeah. So you went through, you know, I've had a very supportive family my mm. whole life. So yep. whenever I have faced troubles, I've always had that support network behind it. But this was one that they couldn't help me with mm. and, you know, you're plunged into this darkness essentially alone yeah. and you can only really get out of it alone mm. but not you're not really alone because you've got Jesus there with you. Mm. But, yeah, for sure. Mm. When, oh, you go. No, no, I was just going to say, was it hard finding the right questions to ask or even the right... Um, you, you know, because sometimes you can, it can feel dark, but you don't mm. know what the rev, what it's all yep. about. So yep. it just feels confusing and, and you kind of feel a bit numb. So did it mm. take a while well, to be able to ask those questions? Certainly. It, took, it would have taken at least 18 months to even realise that the question was not actually about the relationship that broke down, but it was more about the, you know, like who you are and your worth to people. And, um, yeah, it really took me 18 months to even understand that the reason I am in this hole was not because of a breakdown in a relationship, but because of having put my self-worth in, you know, earthly mm. things, so yeah. to say. Yeah. That's good. My quick question was going to be, um, I think when people reach that point, they have two different energies depending on their personality mm. type. Like some people go 
chasing things to be able to fill that void to give them that sense of worth and value again and other people sort of withdraw a little bit like do either of those feel like they were part of your story yeah i was certainly a withdrawer yeah i withdrew from friends and family and spent a lot of time alone yeah which wasn't necessarily helpful in any way yeah but it was part of my process yeah and spending that time alone eventually you know you got to find the balance between going too far Mm. off the cliff versus actually being able to stay alone and Mm. and work through things being Mm. a bit of an inward processor it takes me a bit of time to you know even decide what i want for dinner Mm. let alone um work through some of life's bigger questions Mm. Mm. so what were some of the things that kept you i suppose um alive because i mean depression can Mm. sometimes have a really nasty outcome can't it It what were some of the things that that helped along the way well, my mates helped the most. Yeah. They sort of didn't wow. let me they didn't let me stay in my hobbit hole for too yeah. long. Yeah. But I also found a love for photography in that yeah. time. And so being able to get out and create mm-hmm. um, some images of nature particularly really helped me start to see the world as more than just, you know, what's going on inside of me. Mm-hmm. It helped me look outward again instead of inwards. Yeah. It's amazing. I heard a quote yesterday about how um, nature is so powerful in the way and it can, it can restore our soul because it has a way, God has a way of speaking to us in nature. Mm. And then they were talking about the difference between Protestantism and Catholicism and pr- Protestantism is this kind of mm. idea that God shows up sporadically, you know, especially if you mm. tick the right boxes, he'll show up. Whereas in Catholicism, there's kind of this concept of God being present everywhere all the time and just being able to to be able to mm. tap into that. And a lot of creatives find that liturgical or that um, Catholic strain sometimes easier than, say, the Protestant strain because it sort of encourages you to um, worship in nature or to embrace um, some of those other um, rituals which speak um, deep into our soul that don't necessarily require a lot of words. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think it's often healthier to hear that that nature was so powerful mm. for you in that space because it it does remind us that god is everywhere all the time and mm. there's truth that we can embrace from other from other streams yeah that's great mm. that's that's powerful i just keep thinking of maybe our viewer at home who's sitting there and this is just resonating with them because they maybe lost their job or just with the change in the world, they've lost that thing which used to feed them that identity and that worth. And I just, I just wonder about how much that's resonating with them to be able to... Just go out into nature yeah. and to let nature speak, especially in this season. I mean, we're in autumn, for goodness sake. It's, it's beautiful. such yeah. a beautiful outside, season. Yeah. I mean, if you had to be um, holed up, I mean, autumn's a great season to be holed up in, isn't it? Like yeah. to look out the window and see yeah. all the beauty. Mm. Yeah. But to be just reminded that God is um, everywhere all the time and that he just doesn't show up when we pray the right mm-hmm. prayer or we read our Bible often enough or we attend X number of church services or we raise our hands or, mm. you know, we pay the right amount of money, but that God is everywhere all the time mm. available and speaking to us and ministering yeah. to us. It's powerful. Yeah, you're not wrong. So coming back to a comment you said about your mates and how they were one of the most 
important parts yeah. in you uh, rediscovering your worth and keeping you in a healthy enough space to be able to get through that hard time. Like I know for me, when I see my mates going through a hard time, there's always this tension inside of me of how much space do I give them because I don't want to bother them <laughs> and make yeah. them worse as opposed to, um, oh, I should just do it anyway. Like, do you have any insights about, like, do you wish your mates had contacted you more or less or like anybody that's wondering about that for someone they know at home? Like, do you have any insights there? Yeah, um, I think for me, I, I certainly needed a lot of time to process. So I needed a fair bit of time alone. Mm -hmm. But it was just the regular, you know, the once a week, the text message or the, you know, fortnightly, let's go grab some food. Mm. It's just the enough to keep me, pull, pull me back into society, so to speak, into the, you know, what the world's happening, like, so that I didn't get too lost mm. in inside my own head, but still allowing me that space to process. Mm. Yeah. Just attached enough, I suppose. Yeah, just enough. So obviously, that doesn't help anyone. No, it does. Try and figure out for each different because different people are different. Yeah. No, I think um, a text is great, isn't it? Because yeah. text is unobtrusive, but it's a, obtrusive hmm. at the same time. So to be able to say to somebody, yeah. you know, if you've got somebody who you know is experiencing depression, to text them once a week or once a fortnight. Yeah. That's, it was really helpful for me. I, and I think that's a yeah, really practical sure. thing that anybody can do. So and it's also I think the, it's good. You know, send the text, but don't be pushy. Yeah. Like if yeah. you don't get a reply that day or the next day, probably yeah. don't worry about it. But if it goes three or four days and you haven't got anything, maybe then you might want to start thinking about following up. But yeah. mm. allowing that space and, you know, not if like don't let the no reply yeah. get you down or think that they, yeah. like... They don't mm. value you as a friend. That's great. Because mm. a lot of the time, it's just there. It could mm. be in the moment of processing mm. through something and they just don't have the, the energy to reply. Mm. Mm. So when you discovered your worth, was it, a, was it just a moment? Like, was there this aha revelation moment or was it a gradual coming to realisation that the issue was one of worth and that you mm. were of great worth? Was do you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Was it, it an was event or was it, it a process? It was certainly not an event. It, mm. took, it took a lot of time. Yeah. So whilst it, I spent 18 months eight, like realising what was wrong, yeah. it took me probably another 18 months to figure out what my worth was. Yeah. And But as soon as you start taking the little steps back on the right path, it's almost like God puts like extra, extra people around you to help push that one forward. Yeah. Mm. So I know like... With Sarah, for instance, my wife, she came along and the way that the relationship with her is different is that she builds me up in who God says I am versus who she needs me to be for her. Yeah. Yeah, wow. So I like, something she does really amazingly well. Yeah. That's yeah. powerful. So yeah. earlier on you shared a couple of verses that spoke to you and gave you uh, or were kind of pivotal moments in you rediscovering your worth and where mm. to get that from. Like, how did you come across those? Like, were you in the habit of reading the Bible or did you just Google Bible versus worth? Like, what was the story? Um, I, I can't remember exactly. Yeah. I know I certainly have at times Googled, you know, Bible and depression. What's this going to say about that and, yeah. and things like that? Um, certainly the Psalms are one that, you know, mm -hmm. I just like to turn to mm -hmm. every now and then and just read through them because they're so beautiful in what they express Mm. and some of them are just, mm. just speaking worth into people. Mm. Plus they give you permission to be real, don't they? Because mm. there's so many times when the Psalms sort of end up in this space and you kind of go, yeah. what? And it's just like God's, God's not 
um, he's just kind of saying, it's okay to do that with me. It's okay. You can yeah, be angry yeah. with me. You can actually leave the sentence in, in an inappropriate mm. um, way and it's so fine. I just want you to be real. Mm. So I think the Psalms just give us permission yeah, to be authentic them, and real. Yeah, most of them are about, you know, they are about thank you, God, for what you're giving me. But a lot of the time they're like a real arm wrestle with yeah. with God. And yeah. Like, yeah, wow. Why? Why have you done this to me? Yeah. Sort of thing. And yeah. it's, it's really, you know, it's helpful to read that. And, you know, well, these were written thousands of years ago, yet they're going through the same the same yeah. questions, the same struggle, the same wrestle that I've been through. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's good. And again, in uh, Protestant Christianity, and, and I think Catholicism is mm. a bit this way too, that we're... You have to be careful with your P's and Q's around this God and, and you know, he'll only show up if mm. you tick the right boxes. Well, the Psalms sort of do away with that, don't mm, they? It's kind of like God's sort of saying, I just want you to be authentic and real. Um, just come. Just be real because you're worth So just come. The amazing thing about that example that you guys have just spoken there is so many of the psalmists, like their whole life was just a tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they were messy individuals. Like yeah. they were really messed up, some of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, David I mean, was a murderer. Adulterer. And an adulterer and, and, <laughs> that's yeah. most of the Bible. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yet yeah. Uh, they, they just paint this beautiful illustration about how God still draws near and speaks value and worth into them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How he just thinks they're valuable. Yeah. Um, let's turn to um, just slight change of pace. We might just retell a bit of a story about Jesus and about how he chooses to speak identity and value and um, what he has to say about it, if you guys are all right with that. Mm-hmm. So the story that we want to talk about today is found in Matthew 20, and it's about the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And so um, I find it a really interesting one and a really fascinating one because I think this one's a hard one, especially for the Christians. Yeah. Because the story goes like there are these you know, workers that go out into the um, oh, whatever the, 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 court, the courtyard, the hub, yeah. whatever. They're looking for a day's worth of work. And then this master comes down and he employs a few of them and says, go back to my vineyard and I'll give you like one day's worth of pay. And they go back and start working. And then the master goes back to the um, courtyard again th- three hours later and all the people that are still unemployed in, in there, they don't have anything to do. He hires another group. He goes back another three hours later. He hires another group. And this goes on and on through the day until he's had four or five different rotations of employees. And then it comes to pay time, and um, the group that was hired um, last, they come and they get their full day's pay, and the group that was hired first see that, and they think, oh, imagine how much we're going to get paid. We're going to get paid so, so, so much more now. And then they go to receive their pay, and they get the same amount, even though they did it like 10 times the amount of work. And then I might just pick up the last part of this story, And then uh, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about it. So it says, um, These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money, or are you envious because I am generous? So that the last will be first and the first will be last. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. So the thing that strikes me uh, first and foremost about this is that it's not about communism versus cap- capitalism. <laughs> it's not about social economic no. policy or anything like that. But the point of this parable that Jesus shares is actually speaking about people's worth and he's actually speaking about this concept called grace. And he's talking about uh, the master who's the master in heaven and how the master... 
uh, he gets to choose out of his own generosity what to pay people. Sharon, do you want to pick up any from there, any thoughts that you have about it? Save me from uh, exhausting our audience with my voice. <laughs> oh, no, except that I, I probably identify most with the, the, the guys who worked all day yeah. and expected to get more pay at the end of the day. I must admit with the JobKeeper, um, mm. you know, like it, the, it's hard, you know, like um, I look at the hours, for example, that Tim's doing at the moment and he's – He's receiving the same payment as somebody who's not at work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he's he's the hours are huge, yep. and there's a part of me that kind of goes, "It's not fair." Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I can identify with their grumble. I can identify with yep. how they're feeling, and you know how cheesed off they are. Because, yeah, I can identify with that. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a hard one to understand. Um, and to accept, it, it's hard to because it requires you to give grace as well, doesn't it? It, yeah. it requires you to imitate Christ, what Christ is wanting us to, and to be gracious and to let the chips fall where they fall, and to let God be God. Mm. And I'm not talking about Scott Morrison, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, to let God be God in the scheme of things, and to kind of go, well, how he chooses to distribute grace is up to him kind mm. of thing. Does mm. that make sense? Absolutely, it does. Mm. I think the bit that strikes home to me is the bit that, um, like you, it's kind of like it's so unfair. <laughs> like it is so unfair. But um, taking that uh, illustration of money or uh, that's their worth and the reality is, is that they're all worth the same or had the same inherent dignity and value as human yeah. beings or as workers and it had nothing to do with what they did. Yeah, had nothing to do with their uh, their doing, but it had everything to do with their being, and it had everything to do with the generosity of the master. And so our Christian faith um, sort of talks about how we've been uh, bought at a price, for lack of a better word, that um, Jesus paid the same price for all of us, regardless of anything that we did, but rather because we've all got the same inherent value in our being. Yeah. And so yeah, it's a pretty um, challenging. <laughs> pretty challenging thing because I think we've all been raised in a way where we measure and compare um, in a way to see what is fair mm. and the outrageous thing about this way of the Christian faith is, is that this thing called grace and this thing about our value it's not fair but it's better than fair and I think that's the outrageous part about this and Matt did you, anything about that story jump out to you? Yeah it's just like it's so easy to compare it to everyday life yeah. and you know, speaking of Christians, for instance, like, you know, a Christian who becomes a Christian early in life versus one that becomes Christian later in life, mm. Mm. you know, we're given the ultimate gift of grace and it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian for. Mm. It's more just taking that step and mm. accepting that grace. Mm. Mm. That free gift, just receiving yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I often think of um, cultures too where, you know, you have the race thing, you know, in some places in the world you have whites on at the front of a mm. congregation and, and um, you're coloured people towards the back and, and, and there's just this difference between them. And, again, it's that thing where we have these... Um, we grade and compartmentalise and box people, whereas what Jesus is trying, I think what he's trying to say here is there is no distinction. We're all, we're all the same mm. um, and that grace is just given no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. And it is hard to come to terms with. 
So if Jesus were here at the table with us today and we're having this conversation about JobKeeper and Centrelink and about where do I find my value and my worth even though I'm irritable and frustrated <laughs> or I'm withdrawn or whatever, what do both of you think that Jesus would say? Oh, I think he'd be killing himself laughing. He's <laughs> yeah. like, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what would his uh, second statement be then? <laughs> oh, he might be saying, welcome to my world. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to give gifts as well. I'm trying to give um, this beautiful gift of grace to everyone. And um, some people just don't get it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and certainly I reckon he'd be saying something the lines of, along the lines of, it doesn't matter what you do, mm-hmm. it matters what I've done. Yeah, wow. That's good. That's mm-hmm. very good. So do you think, Matt, um, if you had have had this sort of understanding of your grace, the fact that your worth and your value as a being was found in what the master chose to give to you as opposed to what you could do, do you think that would have reshaped how you went through those years? I certainly think it would have done. I reckon if I had, if I understood what it was about earlier, earlier in life, mm-hmm. you know, it would have just been, oh, it was a bad breakup and then we'd just move on yep. on with life, get on with it. But, yeah, it certainly could have prevented a bit of uh, a hard time. But. Yeah. but don't you think that the valleys, don't you think yeah. that, I just don't know that but you can discover exactly. your worth without a valley. That's true. I, that's the thing. I don't think it would, it ever was possible for me to yeah. have figured that out without yeah. going through that. Yeah. And I think that this is why in this season it's such a great invitation for growth because unless you go through that that hard questioning what that hard questioning of the soul those deep life questions and ask those things you don't find the richness to the answer Um, and so I often think that you know when it when pain or when suffering happens or those big life things I don't think it's so much about how you avoid them I think it's it's okay what's this grief trying to teach me what's this pain trying to lead me towards um, what's this valley actually um, about um, and asking those deep questions and that's why I think things like doing alpha um, if you know it's hard if you're in that depression stage but you know going into those kinds of exploratory groups and asking those really deep life meaning questions I just think it's so rich for your own personal growth. Mm. Um, but I don't think that it's possible to actually discover <laughs> no. your worth no. without pain. No, I think you're right. Um, yeah. That's good. Just as well, That's there's a world of pain at the moment with that whole woo flu. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I think that Jesus is a master yep. physician. He says he comes to heal the sick and the broken and it's the fact that he meets us in the pain and he just... He just cocoons us in his love and he just says come come walk with me let's walk through this valley together and let's discover the real truths let me share with you from my heart and I'll give you the wisdom that you need to get out of this and it's so rich Mm -hmm. so rich we should never avoid the valleys that's so good Uh, I'm gonna ask you guys if you've got any advice for our audience or those people at home in a moment. I'll give you a moment to think about it um, and I'll just quickly explain what everyone can do from home. So if today's topic has helped you or if it's resonated with you and if you've been questioning some of that, that value and that self-worth sort of thing, we'd encourage you to continue to keep watching over the next couple of weeks because we hope to be able to try figure it all out together.
The other thing that we'd encourage you to do is to try some of these things that these guys have shared from their wisdom and their experience, things like going and um, spending some time in nature and reflecting and uh, allowing God to meet you in those places as well as um, reaching out to some of those people that you think that might be having a little bit of a hard time. And finally, if you do have questions, uh, we'd love to be able to do Alpha with you. Alpha is just an amazing platform for us to be able to ask those questions because a lot of the times there's not an easy answer. And so uh, a, a parable like this, like it's complicated. <laughs> like This whole thing of grace and of self-worth coming from not from what we do, but rather than from what he's done, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, you guys have both done Alpha before. How did you guys find Alpha? Oh, I, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy uh, asking those deep questions. I met with a, um, a gentleman my age recently and he said, oh, Sharon, you're not allowed to talk about politics or religion. I said, well, that's a load of rubbish. I said, everybody talks about <laughs> politics all the time. That's pretty much all so, we talk about. Um, and I said, we do talk about religion. We just... We just address it up differently yeah. so you know have a proper conversation around it it's very liberating it's more fun talking about that stuff than just talking about people all the time too yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you're actually leading the alpha yeah this time so but that might we might keep that hush hush because they might not want to do it now yeah. <laughs> matt you did it recently too what did you how yeah. did you find it oh i just found it's amazing to do so like a structured course with other people mm. you know there's so many questions that other people ask that i hadn't even considered being yeah. a question that was worth asking yeah and you just learn so much from everyone else's questions it's stimulating isn't it it's really stimulating i really enjoyed it yeah now coming back to both of you for that question i posed a minute ago for people at home do you, is there anything that you guys would like to say to them uh just that they're of incredible worth and yeah. they are deeply deeply loved Yep. Mm. Yeah. And I, I would probably just add is just keep asking the questions, but don't keep them inside your head. Like ask them of other people, even though they might not have any answers. Mm. When you say your questions out loud, there's something powerful about, you know, getting outside of your own head to, to hear different thoughts on it. Mm. Yeah. That, that's good. Mm. Um, Sharon, do you want to pray and then I'll close us out from there? Sure. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you love, that you are love, that you love to draw near to us, that we don't have to do anything to um, earn that love or deserve that love. We just have to receive. Mm. That's all you ask us to do is just to open our heart, hold out our hands and just immerse ourselves in, in your love. And so I just pray for every person that you'll cocoon them in love, that They'll just be sheltered in your love that today that they will be so aware of your presence, of your peace, of your joy, of your kindness, of your nearness, and that they are just loved by the God of this universe. Thank you for your love. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you both for joining and for everyone that's at home. If you do have questions, then please reach out because we would love to have a conversation and talk about this sort of stuff. But um, I suppose I'd just like to leave you with that final thought that grace is better than fair. And uh, when we come to understand that, it really does change so much. <laughs> Thanks, everybody.